Let's go. Welcome to another episode of the Let's Go Hockey Podcast. I am your host, Pete Kamen of Elevated Hockey. Today we have a very uh, special guest, but we also have a very special episode for you. Uh, we are doing, in celebration of the NHL being back on the ice as of today, our launch date, we're doing an NHL advice highlight show. Uh, so today with me to talk about what we got going on, special guest, producer Vinny. Vinny, what's up, buddy? Hey, what's up, Pete? Happy to be here filling in for Danny. Um, hopefully I can match his enthusiasm. But yeah, I'm excited to be here to present this episode with five former and current NHL players. Um, so who, who we got there, Vinny? Who, who's our five? Uh, the five players we have, we're starting with uh, goaltender Peter Budai. Then we'll lead into Brian Rolston, Nathan Gerby, defenseman Mike Weaver, the Dream Weaver. And then finally, one of our more recent episodes, Patrick Marlowe to finish off the episode. So five names that we we're happy to get. And I was even happier to go back and listen to these episodes. So I'm pretty excited, Pete. What do you think? Yeah, I think this is going to be really cool. So we were talking about this. You know, we added up Budai, Rolston, Gerb, uh, Gerby, Weaver, Marlowe. We added it up. That's 76 NHL seasons worth of experience that we're going to roll through in the next hour or so. And we're going to be having literally thousands of points, thousands of games, 76 years worth of cumulative NHL level experience. Not even to mention all the years of hockey experience together, but NHL level experience, 76 years. They're going to be going over. Uh, we Vinny went through and, and we picked through all the the answers and, and pieces of advice. We picked up some of the highlights. We're going we're gonna to roll them out at you about advice for players and coaches, how you can improve your game. Like These are the guys you want to listen to and tap into their uh, experience and knowledge. And it's a great way to look back at, at our, our first 25 or so. It's 25, right, Vinny? 20, or 26? Five. This will be episode 26. That's right. Yeah, so kind of a summary of some of the, the major major hitting points and, and areas that we want the listeners to, to know and we want to look back and remember first 25 episodes. Uh, so with that, I think I think we, we just get rolling. You ready to go? I'm ready to go. Let's go. Let's get let's it. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. This interview was brought to you by our friends at HockeyWolf.com. If you love the game of hockey or just know someone who does, you need to visit HockeyWolf.com today. Hockey Wolf has physical locations in Montana and Washington State, but if you aren't lucky enough to live near one of their stores, you can always visit their website and place an order at any time. They have everything you need from skates and sticks to shower slips and hoodies. And for all of you coaches and organizational leaders out there, listen up because Hockey Wolf provides some of the best team sales services in all of North America. So if your team needs new helmets, maybe some gloves, boxes of tape, even some warm-up suits and training gear, Hockey Wolf has you covered. So like we always say, go support Hockey Wolf because they support us. That's H-O-C-K-E-Y-W-O-L-F.com. And hey, for all of you lacrosse players out there, make sure you visit lacrossewolf.com too. All right, let's go to the interview. Do this thing, let's go. All right, today I've got with us uh, Peter, Mr. Peter Budai. Uh, we're going to jump right into this. Peter, happy to be uh, happy on the show here tonight. Thanks for coming in. How are you doing? Thank you very much for having me, guys. You know, I'm very excited to be on the show. This is uh, pretty cool. You know, I'm excited to talk to you guys a little bit, obviously, especially at this time. So, uh, you know, just chilling, you know, missing sports. But, uh, you know, I'm glad that we're going to be able to actually talking sports right now. It's going to be fun. Yeah. So, so Peter, uh, before we get into, you know, I want to talk about a bunch of stuff. I got a bunch of goaltending questions and, and, and try to pick your brain on some of your experience, but for tryouts for next season or for next season, if they already know what team they're on, but do you have any advice for players? You know, one, what did you used to do throughout, you know, in off season prep, to get ready for the, the camps the next season. And then also like, do you have any recommendations for players that are out there right now to improve their own skill set off the, off the ice? Uh, so, I want to touch up a little bit on that. I like I like that you ask this question because it's uh, it's something that I'm a believer of, of that uh, kids right now play a lot of hockey. Like they play tons and tons of hockey, and the hockey is evolving that way. That you know, if you don't play up to 11 months a year, uh, you might feel that you're going to be behind. You know, I I feel like uh, sometimes taking a step back and really rest a little bit really helps. Uh, I'm not saying rest for two months or something like that, but, you know, take time off, you know, find it, you know, take a couple of weeks off, you know, relax, 
just, you know, do stuff like that and then slowly get into it. Uh, I think that's very important. You know, you see, you see a lot of young kids coming up right now. They're great players, but by age 22, they have hip problems, knee problems, you know, groin problems because the body is, you know, really working hard. Sometimes kids hate 12 months a year and um, mm-hmm. there's no time off. I think the rest a little bit in the summer is good and then you start going. Uh, so what I did, I usually after a season take at least three weeks off. Uh, three weeks off that I didn't do anything. Like I completely, if we didn't make playoffs, for example, the season ended in April, I took some time off. And then I started working out. You know, then I started working out. I um, went over the videos with uh, uh, my strength coach and uh, we look at uh, what I need to get stronger on on the ice, for example. You know, for the, this is for the older kids. I'm not talking about like a young, young little kids. But I did something, uh, you know, yeah, my post to post play. You know, I need to be more efficient of my pushes. You know, I need to be more stronger of my lateral pushes, my, uh, you know, my hamstring, my flexibility. I think, I think sometimes I know people do a lot of yoga. That's great. But I think overall just the flexibility and uh, sometimes is, uh, you know, I think overlooked. I think flexibility really prevents kids from getting injured. I, I coach a lot of kids, uh, you know, and they're very, very stiff. Like, oh, like my squirt team, there's a lot of kids that, can't touch their toes, you know, when they're, you know, because they, they do so many sports and they don't do emphasis on flexibility, for example, in my opinion, it really helps the kids to prevent injuries and to get stronger because you can go to the, you know, more, more wider stands and stuff like that, that you can do stuff because in the middle of the game, you're going to experience those, those things because it's an environment where things happen fast, you don't think about it. And that's what I think uh, flexibility, strength, um, speed, obviously, but uh, what I worked a lot was, uh, especially for goaltenders, uh, was lateral movement, your, your leg strength, lateral movement, uh, your core strength. You know, you can have a strong legs. You can be, you know, squatting, I don't know, 300 pounds is great. But you have to be able to put it into your profession. You know, just because you're squatting a lot doesn't mean that it's going to make you stronger completely in your profession. You have to have somebody who understands how to utilize all these, you know, workout and strength workouts for your specific, you know, job, you know, as a goalie, we didn't need upper body strength as much, you know, I mean, you do a little bit, but you don't need to be benching 300 pounds, you know, that's, that's something that it's, we don't use that as a goalie, we have to be more stronger, uh, the core is very important for me personally, I think the core exercises are very important, like, you know, bridges and all those, you know, planks and everything else, uh, and uh, you have to be able to explode from that, because as a goalie, uh, you sometimes are most of the times on your knees when you're playing, you have to be able to be very strong moving back and forth. And it's yes, legs gonna help you, but you need your core to bring your whole body there. Uh, your body cannot be lagging behind your legs, so you have to be kind of doing you know, um, don't overwork just legs, work the entire core and legs so it helps you utilize the strength on the ice and you can do that. So it's, it's specific right now. And I think right now for the kids, especially with the things that are happening right now, you know, I think, you know, go to, you know, garage or on the front porch or whatever, and do some stick handling, some, some strengthening. But I think uh, it's a long ways from the next year camp. So don't yeah. overwork. <laughs> don't overwork. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, uh, what I loved about, and I kind of want to circle back to something you said earlier and have you go a little bit deeper. You, you talked about how goalies at the NHL, and I would imagine even in the AHL and even in, in the OHL where you played your junior hockey, that the goalies there, they're, they're good goalies. Like, and you're starting to see that, that creep into youth hockey. Like, there are some really, really good goalies. And I don't know if you watch a lot of college hockey, but those guys are, are and, uh But you said what separates it from like, the good goalies to the great goalies is their mindset. And so it, can you just dive deeper into that and, and just how like how coaches uh, you specifically or just any youth coach that maybe doesn't have the experience that you have play in the game, but maybe how they could help out these coach or help out these goalies just on that mindset part of the of the game? Yeah, definitely. I think it's very important. You know, I, I've met a lot of coaches, especially goalie coaches, too, that I, they spend a lot of time with. And uh, it's, uh, I think that's the hardest part of being a coach, what I just saw right now, is uh, to understand players, uh, to understand specific goalies. You know, I, um, you can be a great coach, meaning X's and O's and drills and everything else, 
but to prepare the, your player, uh, especially a goalie for a game, you need to feel what kind of person he is. You have to understand the personality of the goalie. It's, it's very, very, very different. You know, a lot of goalies and a lot of goalie coaches uh, are great in uh, teaching them the right drills, the right everything else. But when the game comes, you know, you, you kind of have to almost, uh, it's going to sound weird, but you almost have to forget what you were like doing in practice and don't think about it. Practice is for thinking. When you play a game, uh, Stefan White, uh, my coach from Montreal, a goalie coach, he always said, you know, don't forget about this. And I remember when he said it to me, I was still pretty young. I was only 27, 28. And he said, you know, just go out there and play and compete. You know, don't think about, oh, I have to use a power like, oh, I have to go to reverse V. Oh, he's under the hashtag, so now I have to do the reverse VH. You know, like those things kind of uh, linger from practice. And that's something that the coach has to tell, at least for goalie, at least that worked me, helped me. I had a, a coach, Dusty, he was uh, with me in St. John's when I had an absolutely horrible season. He was with me when I had my best season, uh, you know, in LA and stuff like that. And Billy Ranford too and everything else. But the thing is, you just have to go out there and play when the game comes. You learn stuff during the practice. That's where you think. That's where you do your videos and everything else. But when the game comes, just go out there and play. Believe in your ability. Believe in your work that you put in. And believe that you're going to be successful. I mean, it doesn't mean that it's going to be successful just because you work harder than everybody else. Probably not. It does, sometimes doesn't matter because that mindset is something that is very, very important. There's different factors in the game that, uh, that happen and develop that you cannot... Um, you cannot do in practice. So those things happen, and then you have to just prepare yourself. But then when the game comes, you just have to mentally, uh, I would say, don't worry about anything else. Just go out there and play. Focus on that black puck and nothing else. And don't worry about if you get scored on early or if you're letting a crappy goal or if you make a big save. You know, uh, Don't get too high. Don't get too low. You know, Stay kind of even keel. That, that's going to help you to kind of ground yourself from both, from being disappointed and then you got to put more pressure on yourself or being too hyped because you make it up safe. That, you know, it's, it's a very, very difficult thing to do for any kind of athlete, but I think as a goaltender, it's a spe special, special position in sports. Uh, you have to be, um, you have to be very resilient mentally uh, to keep going in a tough situation because you are the one that can, you know, I always say you can, you can turn the course of the game completely. Like, you know, I always say, you know, in playoffs, you can have the best team in the world, but if he runs into a very hot goalie mentally prepared in a series, the best team will lose. 90% of the time, it will happen. You know, yeah. I mean, Minnesota, right? So remember when Minnesota played Zasha uh, Bastian Giger with Ducks? Oh. Uh, and, and, Minnesota was dominating. Marion Gabbard, my best friend, was on the team. and He was back then in his prime and everything else. And he told me, I talked to him about it. He says, we got mentally so beat up because they had Jigir that we stopped believing that we can score him. Because single-handed, yeah. he was so calm and you couldn't get him out of the game that you stop believing that what you do. So that's why goaltending position is so unique and that's why I love it because it's, it's, uh, it's, it's like you can, you can change the course of the game with the way you play. And I think it's just something that a goalie shouldn't think that they should, when the game comes, you don't think about winning or losing. You don't think about what the coach is going to say, what the goalie coach is going to tell you, what media is going to say. Just go out there and play. Play. And after the game, you know, you, you can you can recap, you can redo the video, but when during the game comes, nothing else, just play and compete. And nothing else. Read and react, play, compete, and don't think about if you do it properly, save or Tim Thomas, right? They always say like he couldn't play because he was so out of, but he was competing. He was doing the things that worked for him and it worked. So mm. I think that's something that I would like to say to the kids. There we go. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us today. We'll be back in touch soon. Mr. Peter Budai. Uh, like I said, follow him on Instagram. Uh, Budai Blockers. At Budai Blockers is B-U-D-A-J Blockers. Yes. Uh, and we'll have him back on here again. All right. Let's get a, uh, give me a let's go, Peter. Let's go. Let's go. All right. Thanks, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Represented Team USA in three World Juniors, the World Cup of Hockey, where they won gold, and played in three Olympic Games, including a silver medal in Salt Lake City.
17-year NHL career, including over 1,200 games for the Devils, Avalanche, Bruins, Wild, and Islanders. Let's go, including multiple seasons as an assistant captain for the Wild and Islanders, plus a season as captain for the Minnesota Wild. And, oh, yeah, won a little thing called the Stanley Cup in 95 with the New Jersey Devils. Let's go. After retiring from the NHL in 2013, he's now the head coach of Little Caesars AAA Youth Program and founder of Rolston Hockey. Brian Rolston, welcome to Let's Go Hockey Podcast. How are you doing today? Great, great. Good to be here, guys. Yeah, we're excited to have you on the on the show here today. I think, uh, Danny, correct me if I'm wrong, I think you might be the first Stanley Cup winner we've had on, so I'm, I'm, we're honored to have you. We really appreciate it. Well, thanks. I appreciate it. I, I, I like your, your, the goal behind what you guys are doing, and uh, it's awesome. Great message. What I'd like to, to dig into next year with you is you, know, you had the opportunity to be uh, an assistant captain and captain in the NHL for a couple of seasons. Um, can you touch on kind of your thoughts on leadership in regards to hockey and, and maybe some of the, the players when you were younger in your NHL career, the, the leaders you played with, and, and kind of what you took away from those guys and took into your own game? Yeah, um, it's always it's always lead by example. It's never the guy with you know that speaks the loudest in the dressing room or talks all the time to the team. Um, some of the leaders that I have had throughout my career, obviously Scott Stevens. I played with Joe Sackick, obviously uh, Patrick Waugh, Some of those guys in that dressing room, uh, Forsberg. Um, you know, those guys were always the guys that put up in the game. You know, they weren't guys in the locker room, rah-rah. There was nothing about that in their game, but it's, it's the people that go out and demonstrate leadership. Um, that's from my experience. Joe Sackick said very little in the dressing room uh, when I was in Colorado. Same thing with Scotty. He would, he would at times if it really, you know, if he really needed to, but it, he, he spoke loudly when he, when he got on the ice. And when you have a leader – you know, an amateur kid that goes into practice every day and he wants to get better and he's ready for practice and he does every drill at his, at his hardest, you know, those are the, that's the leadership to me. Um, you know, being ready in drills, especially at the amateur level, I'm always I'm constantly telling kids because I've had them since, like, I've done 2012s. Now I've done some 2010s. I had my son from U14 to U16 be ready. I was like, I'm doing t-shirts at the start of the season. Be ready, you know, (laughs) just in practice, like get, be ready, you know? Uh, so it's that it's, it's demonstrating on a daily basis, you know, kids that actually want to come in and they want to get better on a daily basis and be ready for practice and, and give it all you got in every drill. And, and, uh, you know, it comes and I always stress to the kids, it comes back to your fundamentals. Uh, you know, the best guys in the world have unbelievable IQ, but it also comes back to fundamentals. Those guys, their fundamentals are so spot on, and that's what sets them apart. So with, with that in mind, with your pre- practicing and training throughout your, your career and, and before it was a career for you as you were coming up, up, do you think that that, you know, focus on the fundamentals was what kind of allowed you to be what, you know, when I was doing some pre-reading before this, you know, you're kind of tabbed as like a utility forward where you can be moved around and play different positions and, and be kind of slotted in a lot of different places in the lineup. How would you like, how would you practice or train for kind of that utility role? And, and do you think it falls back to that, that what you just said, being ready and, and falling back on the fundamentals of the game? Well, you know, often, and it's funny that that's how I'm, that's how I'm no, uh, they say that I was a utility forward because I could play the defensive side of the game and, um, I could kill penalties and do those kinds of things. That's not something in college that I was known for. I think you change over time. And when you're a younger player, you have to, your skill development is so big. All your fundamentals, your skating, your, your puck handling, your shooting, and creating good habits all the time with those, those things, I think is so important at the, the amateur levels. Like, I was very good at that at a young age. And then as, as time goes on, those other things start coming into your game and that make you a more well-rounded player. And, and you have a lot of good leadership uh, and good coaches uh, in order to give you those things as you, as you move on. I, I mean, that's obviously huge. And then you add more and more into your game as you go. And 
you know, before you know it, you've played over 15 years in the NHL. And one thing that you were for sure known for is you could rip the puck. And for me, like I've talked with a few coaches and I was just talking to Tim Jackman, uh, the art of like hammering a hockey puck and shooting a slap shot is, is going away. And for whatever reason, if it was a buzzword that, you know, getting just a, get a, a a flick on net is better than nothing. And yes, I know that's true, but when you have the space and you have the time, you got to be able to shoot that hockey puck and, and the harder you can shoot it, obviously with accuracy is going to be, um, it's going to be huge. And so how, I mean, how did that happen for you? Was it something that you focused on? Was it something that you did or did it, was it a natural thing? And how, how did you become known in the NHL as having one of the hardest shots? You know, you hit that right on the head. It's a perfect explanation is if you do have the time and space, you know, you, you got to pound that, you got to pound it. You know, yeah. I know like if I had a two on one and I knew I had time and space and I shot an off leg shot and I knew it wasn't as hard a shot, I come back to the bench and I'd be like, why did you, why did you shoot like that? And I talk about this all the time with our kids is intensity in your shot. You know, you'll watch kids, they'll just come up and flick it at the net. Now there's a time and there's a time and place for those kinds of shots where they have to get off quick because guys are so good, especially at the older ages in the NHL um, at blocking pucks and having good sticks. So you'll see that all the time. I posted something today on Ralston Hockey. I was showing my shot where we were practicing the Matthew shot where you pull and shoot a full body shot. So I appreciate that uh, sentiment. It's about about shooting the puck with intensity. Um, you know, my shot was always something that I had. I had a good shot, you know, since I were, I was young and, um, you know, you don't get that many opportunities when you're, you're in the big leagues. And I stress that to younger kids, they get a lot of opportunities and you have to make them count because as you get older, they get, you know, they dwindle, you get maybe one a game or two a game. So you have to make it count. Um, it's just something that I've kind of had and, um, you know, obviously the the shootout, um, it wasn't a shootout. It was actually a penalty shot the first time I used it against uh, Luongo. And uh, what happened was I got – it was a long shift for me, and I was doing a lot of stops and starts, and then I got a breakaway. I was on the penalty kill, and I was dead tired. And I got a penalty shot. So I was just like, geez, what am I going to do here? I couldn't even catch my breath. So that's when I shot the uh, the slap shot. And I went glove low on them, and uh, and then after that, I started using it more often. And I, other teams sometimes started getting pissed at us. And I remember Dion Phaneuf come in one time and shot a slap shot, hit our goalie right in the chest, and I was like, "Oh, here we go." But uh, and I got, I got a funny story about I played in the All Star game in 2007, and you know you can I had my kids with me, and my son Ryder was with me, and we'd go on the bus. And Luongo was our goalie, of course, uh, in, two th- in that all-star game. So, so all, some of the kids would ride on the bus. And, uh, you know, I wa- we walked by Luongo, and he-, he says to my son, can you believe your dad embarrassed me like that? <laughs> my, my son was probably like, <laughs> I don't know how old he was, seven years old or eight years old. So, What a proud uh, dad I'm, moment, huh? <laughs> I'm, I'm, <laughs> uh, uh, no, it's just funny. My son was like, he didn't know what to say. You know, that's Roberto Luongo. You know, starstruck. Yeah. That's awesome. Brian Rolston, thank you so much for coming on. It was, a, it was an awesome time talking with you. I think that was a great, uh, great episode with a lot of uh, strong information and advice. So we really appreciate you coming to join us today. Hey, no problem, guys. Best of luck to you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Before we let you go, can we, get a, uh, can we get a let's go from you? Let's go. <laughs> let's go. Awesome. Thanks. Awesome. Thank you very much. Draft pick of the Buffalo Sabres in debut on December 6, 2008 in a huge win over the Tampa Bay Lightning. Holds the Sabres' franchise record for fastest two goals, tucking two only five seconds apart. Not bad for less than a minute's work. Let's go. 400 National Hockey League games and counting. Standing at five foot four, making him the shortest, second shortest player to ever play in the NHL. Changing the way hockey is played by breaking the NHL stereotype. Nathan Gerby, welcome to the Let's Go Hockey podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, guys. Thank you. Hope everyone's staying safe and you know, I'm grateful to come on the podcast and talk about hockey. I know. I've heard some stories about your coach and the idea that that 
you know, he likes his guys to be conditioned and it's tough to argue with him when like the success that you guys have had this year and in years past and, and in his coaching career, what he does obviously gets his team prepared to play. And so when you think about that and, and preparing and, and different um, advice for youth hockey players, what, what would you mm-hmm. say to them? Just from you being like, uh, you're an American kid. You played. You played in the youth hockey USA hockey program. Uh, you got to play at the national program. What kind of advice would you give to a, a young Nathan Gerby that um, wants to play in the NHL, wants to play in hockey East? Uh, I would say just believe in it. Believe in it and work. I mean, that's it's so it's so bizarre how far belief and hard work can take you uh, not only in hockey, but just, just in the world in general, as long as you have a strong belief in yourself and, and, and you have the work ethic to match sky's the limit in my opinion. And I think when I reflect as my time as going through honey bake and stuff, I ha- I've always had that belief and I never really heard the size issue. I didn't, I didn't really think it was an issue, but other people made it an issue. So I, I think really believing in yourself and for young kids, but saying that you got to put the work in, there's, you know, no one's going to give it to you. No one's going to, no one's going to put the work in for you. So it's up to each kid to, to really put the work in. And I think, you know, just for my career, I really stress the kids how much, you know, work they should be putting in if they want to do it, because that's all they can control. You control how hard you work every day. And, that, and that's it. You know, so I think it's real important to have that lesson as a young kid. Um, you know, I know a lot of kids maybe like to point fingers and, and, you know, there's reasons why things don't work out, but, you know, if you put the work in, you're going to make it work. Uh, you know, they can't look, they can't overlook you for too long and, and just believe in yourself and, and work. I think that's fantastic advice for a young player. And I think uh, the two parts of that are, so, are, they go hand in hand. So key of like one, having the belief, it's just not enough, but uh, I mean, you're exactly yeah. right. You can believe all day long, but if you don't take the necessary steps to go and, and make strides towards whatever that belief is, then then you're missing the boat. Mm-hmm. So I think that's fantastic advice for a young player. So uh, let's switch gears here. What about a youth hockey coach, youth uh, high school junior coach that like, what, what kind of advice would you have for a player uh, or for a coach to support a player that's trying to, to, to develop themselves and, and reach higher levels? You know, I think the youth system may be a little bit, um, are too much systems and X's and O's and uh, I'm a huge believer of skills and skating and and I, I know some of the youth programs that I've seen over the last few years it's you know sometimes I wonder you know where 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 it's going with that because you know the game is skating and skills that's that's first and foremost you're going to get the you're going to get the X's and O's drilled in you later and it's not going to be fun but but you know as youth coaches re- really push the skating and really push the skills and you know, have development practices, which I, I'm a huge believer of. Um, and if you have the time, you know, work with kids one-on-one as much as you can. Um, you know, I think that's huge. Uh, I I was lucky I had my dad pushing me and coaching me when I was younger. Uh, whether I liked it or not, it, it was hard work. But he was always a believer on conditioning, skills, and skating. And, you know, it's funny when you fast forward now and, like, man, that's what I believe too. And I, and I think – you know, if I was teaching a, a group, I would want them to be a really good skating club and I would want them to be using their skills. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think you're exactly right there with uh, kind of the professionalization of youth sports. Sometimes the winning and losing is becoming such a priority, but the reality is that the game is getting at every level is getting faster and more skilled. Um, I think you're exactly right there. And I think Danny would probably attest to the same thing. I mean, he and I both, work with, with players. And that's kind of one of the focuses of this podcast is to, is to really help, you know, open some eyes and, and show the importance of yep. that skill, that skill development and acquisition. Um, with that, I want yep. to stick, stick on the coaching uh, for a minute, Nathan. If, if you look back in your career, whether it's youth hockey or, or beyond all the steps we've talked about, can you name a coach or two that made a really big impact on your journey and maybe talk a little bit about you know, what that coach did to, to help boost you along in your path. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, w- when you reflect back, there's, it's amazing how many people along the way have, you know, helped you in some, some capacity. Uh, and, and it's amazing and, and you appreciate it so much. And, and, and the first guy I think that really helped me out was uh, Lou Schmidt at the time he was the owner of Honeybake. 
Um, and, and he, you know, he got me into honey baked and, you know, I, I don't know where I would be without him, to be honest with you. He's been a huge, a huge influence in my life since I was a young kid and, and, and he coached our team in and out and, and he was a huge reason why I, I never left honey baked and I've always wanted to stay there and, and win every tournament for him as possible. Um, so I kind of had that, you know, dedication to him. And then as you get older, and I've been very blessed with, with, with a lot of good coaches. I've had, you know, I've had John Cooper at Honey Baked. I've had, you know, David Quinn at USA, John Hines at USA. So those, all those guys in their own way were really impactful to me. Uh, you know, they're all different, which is great. But at the same time, they're they're great hockey minds and, and they knew how to push me and, and which direction I should go. But, at the time, they helped me a little bit with the decision of major junior or college. And I, I remember David Quinn telling me and my dad, he said, uh, if you if you go to major junior, I'm driving over and killing you and your dad. <laughs> so I think uh, that was really, really important for me as a young kid to have that influence and that push because I, I didn't really know what to do. I've never been around college at that time. So he's a huge person in my life and, and in my time at the, at the national program. Something that you just kind of, you talked about there. Did you say you had John Cooper as a coach for Honey Baked? We did. Yeah. He, uh, that was, that was, yeah. He just, just was fresh into coaching. Yeah. And it's funny because he's the exact same way back then as he is now. And and I've had a real pleasure of watching him go to each level and win and and get himself to the NHL. It's it's been so impressive because he was a lawyer before and yeah, he's coaching Honey Baked and you don't really think, uh, too much of that as a kid and all of a sudden you see him climbing the ladder so fast and, and it's been amazing. Yeah. He's got a pretty amazing story behind his path. I was lucky enough to meet, meet up with him and talk about that once in the past. And it's just amazing how, like you're right, how quickly he climbed up the ladder. And, and I think a lot of the guys talk about how he's, his style of coaching is, is maybe a little bit different than, than some of the others, but how effective it is. So pretty cool uh, yeah. as a kid to have, have uh, that quality of coaching. Huh? You look back and that's pretty amazing. Yeah, you, you, you look back and you, you're, yeah, you're very blessed to have those people touch your lives and, and to have that relationship carry over. It's fun when I see these guys when I play against them, if it's, you know, David Quinn or if it's Coops and, or John Hines, he's, uh, he's, he's a bit ser- more serious, but uh, it's uh, fun, fun to see these guys and to kind of grow all at the same time and get to the, get to the top league in the world. For sure. And it's, it's always interesting. We've been doing a few of these podcasts now and when we talk about, like what makes coaches great and, and what kind of um, impact they've had on you. It's never like, Oh, well, they always did this drill that worked on this. It's always like, well, they believed in me or they, they thought I could do this or they, they just, they cared for me and they're always there for me. And um, obviously Cooper was like that. And I know you said that I'm sure he's a lot like that now. Um, was there, was there one thing that he did that you can remember that was like, yeah, that, that was awesome. And that's why I knew that one day, or maybe you didn't, but maybe you thought like, yeah, you know, this guy can coach not only at the honey baked and triple a level, but he can coach at, I think he's won at every level besides the NHL. And I think that's just a matter of time before he gets to, to lift the cup. But was there one thing that he did that stood out to you that made him a little bit different than the average coach that you had? Yeah. Coops. Uh, I mean, I know he's the same exact now as he was back then. He, he had the ability to, uh, be able to talk confidence in you. And I think that's so important. Um, you know, when I, when I, when I think back in coaching and I always try to think, you know, how would I want to do this situation or how would I deal with everyday player to player development? And I think so much, we, we forget that this game's about confidence and, and sometimes you don't, some coaches overlook coaching confidence and, and, and they look to beat you down sometimes, or they're always pointing out negative things. But, you know, if you, if you can coach coach a player's confidence that's huge then they're going to play to the capability that there are and and Coop's so good at just having a conversation whether you haven't scored in 10-15 games he has the ability to make you feel like okay today's the game I feel good and, and I'm going to go out and score the goal like like our coach thinks and you know he's always been a great talker and, and, and a great motivator that way and and he's guy he's a guy who you know guys love to play for you can you can have a casual conversation with him it's not just hockey all the time and and he's someone you can also challenge a little bit too, which is, which is nice as a player. I think for me, I love, love hockey. I love to talk it. Um, I love to throw ideas. So anytime I can, you know, interact with people like that, 
and it's really nice because uh, yeah, it's what I love to do. Well, I think that's, <laughs> yeah. I think that's a great message. So I, I appreciate you spending some time and sharing that with us here. Before you jump off the line, would you mind giving us a let's go? <laughs> let's go. Let's go. All right. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks we'll for your time. Right. Yeah. Thank you guys. I appreciate it. Let's go. 15 year pro career, including an IHL championship, AHL championship, and 633 games played in the National Hockey League for the Thrashers, Kings, Canucks, Blues, Panthers, and Montreal Canadiens, including a season as assistant captain on the Florida Panthers. Let's go. After retiring from the NHL in 2015, he is now the CEO and co founder of Coach Them, an online coaching tool to create, edit, and share drills and practice plans for both hockey and lacrosse owner of Defense First Hockey School, Mike Weaver. Welcome to the Let's Go Hockey Podcast. How are you doing today? Oh, great. The only thing you're missing is my Dream Weaver uh, song intro. <laughs> <laughs> we'll uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get Vinny to work some magic on that one. We'll, uh, we'll get the, the glitz and glamour coming for, for nice. the intro there. No, thanks, guys. <laughs> thanks for having me. Excited. Uh, you know, the game, the, the role of the defenseman's changed over the last decade or so. And, and a lot of the the successful defensemen today are becoming more dynamic and jumping into the play. And, you know, USA hockey talks a lot about positionless hockey. It's kind of a buzzword right now. And um, so I'd love to get your opinion on, on kind of where the game, the, the role of a, of a defenseman, how it's changed over the last decade or so. And then maybe your thoughts on where you see it potentially progressing in the future. That's a, that's a lot of things that I teach at my hockey school defense first. I teach, I teach the thinking part of the game and a lot of people think you can't really teach the thinking part of the game. It's, it's either you have it or you don't, but I personally believe that you can teach it. And it's, and it's a different, it's a different um, mindset. You can't, you can't um, being safe as from a defensive standpoint is, is, is not good. You're, you're at a big disadvantage and it used to be the whole thing of looking at the guys looking at the guy's chest stay square to him right but it's and then everybody's just like oh you got to force him to the outside so as coaches i've heard everybody scream and yell at these kids angle 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 but how do you angle right what is what is the the whole thing and uh, about angling and really what it is is instead of reading reacting because as defensive players you're reading reacting to what that player's doing you're at, a, you're, you're at a disadvantage. If he goes this way, well, you race this way. If he goes this way, you race this way. And it's, you start almost feeling, feeling like you're, you're, chase, you're, you're a dog chasing a ball, right? Whatever way this ball's going, you're chasing it. And it's all about, with me, with defense first, we're talk, talking about taking control in the game. Instead of reading, reacting, it's all about initiating and dictating. By your, your stick placement and by your body position, you are putting that guy in an area where you're going to take it away. And it's all about giving him the, the more, uh, the lane. So you got to think of yourself. If you're in a car, I would, when I'm talking to kids, I'm like, if your parents, if you're in a car with your parents and they're in the fast lane, there's three lanes, there's fast lane and there's slow lanes, right? If, if you're, if, if the guy coming down the ice is in the fast lane, well, you don't want to go. If you get in his lane, what is he going to do? Well, he's going to change lanes. He's going to go into the, the middle lane. So it's something that you, if that guy is going fast down, down, down the, um, the side, well, let him go fast down the side, but it's all about your positioning because you want to angle him into the area. It's all about allowing the guy to go to the area where you want him to go and take it away in the end. It's almost like that magician, the, uh, the magician, right? Like, or if you're doing a magic trick, is it happening here? No, it's actually happening here, but everybody else is paying attention to this. That's what we got to do as defensive players. We got to be like, okay, we have a plan. All right. You're going here, but the, that, what, what do you think that player is doing? That player, player as an opposition player is trying to go opposite of you right? If you want him to go here, no, he wants to go there. So it's all about if you're able to get your stick in the lane and you're able to get your body in the lane and you're able to, to force them to the area where you want to go, a lot of kids get all like, they, they get so nervous. They, they're all 
being in between the puck and the net. And it's, it's something that you got to give a little bit more space to then take it away in the end. It's, it's, there, there's an art to it. And that's what we teach at uh, my hockey school, but it's, um, it's, it's a mindset. And, and a lot of guys are a little just too safe, especially this hockey day and age. It's all about getting in the offensive uh, zone. Right. And with me, I always look at, you could be offensive in the defensive zone. If you're able to make that quick pass out of the zone, I, I look at that as an offensive uh, minded uh, play. I could listen. I grew up playing defense, so I could listen to this all day. Um, what, what would you say? What would you say? Uh, like you talked about angling being a huge skill and how you learn it, um, you know, and kids are a lot of kids and that's, that's, I don't want to call it an issue, but sometimes when you run into um, hockey coaches at the youth level uh, where, you know, it might just be like, Hey, we just need someone to coach because nobody can coach. Okay. Hey dad, would you come and do this? I never played hockey before. It doesn't matter. We need you. Um, and then it turns into like, you got kids just skating up and down the ice, staring at chess with their hand up in the air, like they're holding a stop sign. And so um, I'm wondering if there's something out there that you could be like, Hey, you know what? Youth coaches, why don't you focus on these three skills? And angling is clearly one of them. Um, are there any other ones that – I know it's tough being on a podcast and stuff like that, but what are the three main things that defensemen should be focused on if they want to take their game to the next level? Well, for sure. Um, I, I, I always say that – the space between you and the player, opposition player, a lot of people call it um, your, your gap. I call it somebody's ice. So it's either yours or his ice or his or her ice. So mm -hmm. that's the more ice you're able to take away from the player, the, le the less time they have. Like I used to go, go against Ovechkin. Like the guy's the powerhouse, but he got frustrated the coach ended up putting him on the opposite wing uh, when I was playing against him. And it's nothing that I was doing crazy. It's just that I was taking away the, the, the some, somebody's ice. And it's, if you're able to be in, in, in that player's face, that player has no opportunity to do anything. The only reason a player gets the, the middle is because he gave him the middle. That's the only reason. If you give them the middle, it's because you you're some you're somebody's ice, your your gap, you're too far back. That's the only reason the guy gets the middle is because you gave him the middle. Um, another thing is in front of the net, I always have the guys in in my uh, hockey school. They'll, they'll be, I'll get the goalie to turn facing behind the net, and I'm like, is that does that look normal? They're like, oh no, it's silly. Why is he he's looking behind the net i'm like well okay i'm like why is it silly they're like well if it passes out in front they're going to be able to score i'm like well as a d-man why would you be looking behind the net so it's it's simple things that i kind of i take a lot of things from different positions and i i go and 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 i basically prove my point that it it works for them, so why does it work for a defensive players? So I never want our defensive players to go and go and face face the corner because the most important ice is behind. So if you're able to be in a position that as a goalie, what happens? You go out, and what do you do? You come back to the strong side post, right? But your your skate is always facing up ice. So I always have our D in front of the net going and doing that. They come back. If they go back, if it goes behind the net, they don't go and turn back behind the net because as a goalie, they don't do that. So it's silly for that to happen. So as a guy goes on the other side, well, you go and you, you, you maintain your, your eye, eyes looking up ice. So if a guy goes behind the net, I'm able to go right away. I'm able to go look up and then go stick in the lane. So yeah, there, there's – you got to look at all the different positions, um, like in the neutral zone, for for the angling part. What what do what do forwards do that are attacking the opposition defenseman on the far blue line? Do they go straight at them? No, they go and they take an angle 
in more in the middle, and then they force them to the boards. So I actually have had our, our D-man do that, and I would stop at a certain point, and then I would make him turn backwards. I'm like, well, that's the perfect angle what you should have. So, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's very interesting, all this stuff. If, if you really go and sit down and think about that opposition player is just trying to go the opposite of you. If you think about that, then you look at your body because a lot of players don't really look at their body. They don't look where their stick is. They don't look where their feet are. They don't, look, they don't pay attention because they're just trying to get that puck. And they're like racing. you got the coach yelling at them. So it's something that the coach has got to start looking at and not just yelling at him and telling him to get that puck. Come up with a plan in order to get it. We appreciate you coming on. Before before we let you go, though, we got to get a let's go. Let's go. There we go. <laughs> I love it. Oh, Mike, that was awesome. I really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, hopefully we can talk to you again sometime and dive even deeper on, on your D, your thoughts on D. And uh, But that's a great conversation. I think you left a lot of good good points for coaches and, and players and parents to consider. And uh, and I'm, I'm hoping that, uh, that the people really – take out of as much as I think Heater and I did. So I appreciate you coming on and we uh, look forward to having you again sometime. Guys, thank you so much for having me on. It's uh, been a pleasure. Anytime you want me back to discuss defense, I'm your man. Game winning. The list goes on and on and on. A three-time NHL All-Star who's also represented Team Canada in multiple gold medal championships. Let's go. Has racked up 1,188 points in over 1,700 NHL games for San Jose, Toronto, and Pittsburgh. The fifth player ever to play in over 1,700 games. Patrick Marlowe, welcome to the Let's Go Hockey podcast. How are you doing today? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Excited about this. Uh, well, let's let's switch gears here a little bit into uh, into coaching. You know, I, I'm a coach. Danny's a coach. Um, that's part of the the audience of who listens to us. And if you look back on some of your career, whether it's youth hockey or, or major juniors or in the NHL or, or international competition, are there? Can you point to any any significant coaches that that made a real positive impact in your career, and maybe how that um, how that helped helped with your path? Yeah, I have, uh, well, obviously my dad was, you know, first and foremost, my, my coach, but, uh, and, you know, all the, everything that he did for me obviously helped me get to where I was today or where I am today. Um, but I, uh, he had a, he had an assistant coach, uh, my, when I was, uh, Adam was 11 and under back then. They always keep switching. The, now that my kids are going through it. I don't know the birth years and this and that. And that was just, oh. Yeah. So I was Adam, I was 11, 10 and 11, and uh, coach's name was Scott Fraser, and he just made the game fun. Uh, and he was always, you know, I was one of the better players, one of the, you know, fastest kids and, and things like that, but he took the time to challenge me, you know, uh, whether it be in a game, he, you know, what could he have done different here, or, you know, in practice, he'd be harder, harder on me or or things like that, but he, it was always with a smile on his face. He always had this great passion for the game, loved hockey, and uh, it was just fun being around him, and uh, I love, he still, he comes to, to watch me play in Calgary now, and uh, I just love, you know, seeing him again. It's, it's uh, brings me back to when I was 11, 10 or 11, and some of the, you know, some good memories back then, and uh, yeah. um he was definitely one of the one of the coaches that I, I still remember, and there there was a lot more that uh, that also helped me out throughout my career. I'm sure I'm sure there's a ton, and I, I I we've had a lot of guys on this podcast and girls on this podcast, and um, th- I think the idea of just like that type of impact that a coach had on you at such a young age literally fueled you for a lifetime of hockey. And I think it was Lindsay Fry um, we had on here. She's a U.S. Olympic hockey player. And she just talked about uh, the job of a youth hockey coach is to make sure 100% of your players play the next year. Like that's what a youth hockey coach should do. And I was like, that's the best advice I've ever heard from anybody ever. And so I, I love that idea. And now, I mean, you've taken on some responsibility as being a coach now just with your, your kids recently. Is that, is that something that um, you do just because you're in hockey? Or, I mean, is it something you're going to continue to do? And what's that, what's that all looking like? Uh, I, I, li- I like it. I think 
it brings out a new uh, new twist to the hockey world for me. I think one of the first time <laughs> I was coaching uh, was coaching my oldest son out in, in in Phoenix in a tournament after one of our seasons and. Uh, you know, from, from running the door, trying to make sure all the kids get the same amount of ice time to try, you know, yell and try and get them off. And, <laughs> but the biggest part I found is like, you don't really have that much control as a coach. You just, you put them out there, you try and tell them different things. But the biggest part is I wanted all the kids to do so good when they got on that ice, you know, you just feel that, that energy for them. You feel that you feel that you just want them to have success. And I think that was, that was probably one of the coolest things that, that I get from, uh, and I just love being around my boys, just, uh, you know, being there for them if they have any questions or even for the other kids. And um, if I can, you know, having gone through coaches that I have gone through, you, you're going to remember, you know, a thing or two from each of them. So I'm just trying to give them that, you know, one or two things that uh, that they can take and, and build off of. That's great. Yeah. I, um, now, how many, how many are all four of your sons playing now or is it just the older ones? Uh, yeah, mainly the older ones. But my five-year-old probably start next year. and he. He's the he's usually the hockey crazy one right now. I have to go sh- have to go shoot with them or shoot on them all the time. So it, it, the four of them they get down there and they'll play mini sticks for hours. So it's pretty fun. Very cool. Yeah, I've got my uh, my oldest boy is five as well. So he's gonna be starting hockey next year. Kind of in the same boat. And um, you know that's where for me coaching. Uh, you know I, I'm currently coaching a college team and. And, and so making that switch, I'm, I'm anticipating in the next couple of seasons from coaching, you know, men at the college level to coaching, uh, you know, Adams or termites, you know, the, the six U and eight U is going to be a total mind, mind bend for me and total mind shift, which I can only matter. Like it's only magnified being coming from the sharks locker room to the junior sharks Mike program. Right. It's gotta be a, uh, a big change, but maybe if you can, I mean, you kind of already mentioned it, but I, I wanted to see the like, kind of what you, you talk about whether it's with your sons individually or, or with the team collectively, like some of the major takeaways when you're the coach um, that you've taken away, you know, we, we touched on the fun and, and that, but like um, if there's any, you know, from the game, like things that you really want your, your teams to focus on um, in, in training and practice um, to help them develop as a young hockey player. Yeah, I think, I always find myself talking to my boys or even mostly my, my oldest one right now because he's really into it and, and wants to continue on is uh, I'll be giving him advice and I'm like, hey, that's good advice I should take. <laughs> I should take it too. <laughs> but uh, I think I, I might have said it a little bit earlier. I just, in practice, I want them, even if it's a drill they've done a hundred times to, to do it the best that they can, uh, to get better, to get better at it, uh, to get better somehow, in, especially in practice. And then, you know, when you put in the work and practice, games are where you just let it flow. You let it, you go out, go out there, have fun um, within your team structure. Obviously, the little kids they're they're all over the place. They're they're having fun, and you try and teach them their positions uh, when they're younger. But the, the older one, I, I want him to. I tell him that he, had, you know, you put your best foot forward on that day. You got to be able to look at yourself in the mirror after and say, "Hey, did I did I give it my all today? Did I give myself a best my the best chance to be recognized or to be uh, helpful to the team. And uh, for me, that I think that what that all comes down to is putting in the work, putting in that, that effort uh, for your, for yourself, but also for your team. And now that you've coached at the youth level, is there, is there any advice that you'd like to pass along just to our, our youth hockey coaches, junior hockey coaches, whoever is listening that would help them be a better suited for that position? Yeah, I think, um, I always, so I, I tell my boys and I, for myself too, I'm like, uh, what do you think, what do you think your coach is looking for in a player? Or what do you think he wants in a player? And I go through certain things. Do you think he wants you to, you know, show up on time? Does he want you to do the drill the right way? Does he want you goofing around all the time? I mean, there's a time and place to have fun. You gotta, it can't be on his time. It's gotta be on your time. Um, and all these things, that you do to, to show your coach that you're ready and willing to play, willing to put in the work is only going to let the coach know, Hey, this kid wants to play. He's doing what I ask of him. I'm going to work with them. I'm going to, you know, put in the time because I see that he's putting in the time. I'm going to give him some ice time, you know, some extra ice time here or there. And, uh, you know, they're going to, they're going to take that extra time to, 
to work with you if they see that you're interested and that you want to learn, that you that you want to get better. Patrick, as we start wrapping it up here, I think we've had a ton of, of good content, a ton of good questions and, uh, or not questions, but advice for a lot of the listeners. Uh, but you know, one thing that we always do is we open up, uh, the, on our social media, on our Instagram questions when we have upcoming guests. So we had a handful of different questions. We picked a couple. Uh, so if you don't mind, we might kind of just do a little rapid fire, do a couple of them for you. Sure. Um, so this one at, uh, G Morin SK who's the hardest working player you've ever played against or played with and what made him stand out from the rest? And it kind of touches back to you're talking about putting in the work and the hard work. So I think that's a, that's a good question by, by, uh, yeah. by that listener. Yeah. It's, it's you got to pick just one. Just one. <laughs> tough one. Tough one. <laughs> it's going to be tough. I think, uh, you know, probably the, both Joes that I played with here, Joe Thornton and Joe Pathelski, they both, uh, they put in the work ice but they also put the work in off the ice uh in this in the summers getting you know in the weight room things like that but also the way they they thought hockey and they were they've been really passionate about the game for a number of years but uh yeah this just thinking about it um you know doing the right things in the offseason taking care of your body uh and then when it comes game time just putting it all out there and those those two guys probably best exemplify that Plus, it doesn't hurt to be the world's best uh, at tipping pucks like Pavelski is. Well, and that's something that's something you I would see him working on daily. Um, yeah. Him and him and Brent Burns, uh, they would they would line pucks up and they would shoot, and you know that there, that a lot of that just didn't happen by accident. They were working on it, both of them, uh, in practices and before games and things like that. That's the and that's the biggest piece of advice because. I mean, as a, as someone watching them play hockey, you just see him tipping in goals and, and celebrating out, out on the on the rink. But what you don't see, and thankfully, that's the beauty of social media, is you you are starting to see a little bit more of that behind the scenes stuff. But that that's huge advice to know that those two players they're not the best at what they do by accident. They didn't just fall onto it, and so that's cool to hear that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Before we. Uh, before we sign off here, we, we, we try to get our guests to give us a, a let's go. Can you just fire it up to sign it off here with a let's right, go? Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> let's go. All Thank right. you so much for coming on. We appreciate it. All right. Thank you. So there you go. Five of our biggest NHL guys, like I said at the beginning, 76 years worth of knowledge, NHL level knowledge being dropped at us. Uh, in that episode, I hope you all listening have enjoyed the first 25 episodes of the Let's Go Hockey podcast. I hope you enjoyed this one, hitting on some of the advice highlights. Um, but you know, most of all, we're excited that the NHL is back on the ice. As of today, the launch day, the NHL is back. The players are in the bubble uh, cities, Toronto and Edmonton. The games are starting, and we're going into playoff hockey. I couldn't be more excited about it. I think it's fantastic that not only that we're going to be able to you – know, it, it's just going to feel that like hockey's back and you know Vinny and I were talking before the episode the kids out there are going to get to see their favorite players play again they're going to be back on the ice they're going to get motivated to get themselves back on the ice they're going to be motivated to keep training and keep working we're you know coaches we're going to start having fresh plays and fresh things to to, to watch and learn from and diagnose and uh you know I couldn't be happier about it it's fantastic to get the game back after such a long hiatus uh, and, and, and it's time to celebrate our game and, and the fact that our game is back and alive and well, and, and it may be a little bit different form on TV, but you know, I couldn't be happier to have it back. So, um, also with that, I know that, you know, our first 25 episodes, this being number 26 are behind us. It's been a blast so far. We have a lot of awesome guests coming up. We've got some, uh, professional level coaches, college level coaches, high, higher level experience, junior level coaches. We've got some NHL players coming up. We've got some uh, sled hockey influence coming up. We've got a couple other uh, players and coaches from the women's side of the game. Uh, we are going to keep cranking out uh, as many high quality guests and interviews as we can. Keep this thing rolling. I hope everybody's going to keep listening. So like, subscribe, uh, give us a follow and shoot us your questions. Vin, you got anything else to add before we sign off for the day? I'm just excited, like you said, for the NHL to come back. And 
I mean, a huge thank you to everybody that has made this possible for us and listened to us along the way. Um, starting a hockey podcast in a time where there was no hockey going on and the uncertainty of it was an interesting endeavor. And it has been incredible working with you and Danny and everybody that's come on the show. So once again, thank you uh, to the fans of the show and everybody out there listening. And let's go. Yeah. Let's go. So hope we'll get uh, heater. will be back next episode. He took a little break on this week's episode. So usually, you know, Danny hype, he's Danny, Danny hype is the hype man. He's the hype guy. He gets us fired up and he usually ends with, with a lot of energy. So today, Vinny, you're filling in your job. Give us a high energy. Let's go to get us out of here. All right, Danny, since you're on vacation, I'll give you a good old, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Hopefully that was good enough for everybody. <laughs> yeah, it'll do. <laughs> good stuff, Vinny. Good stuff, man. All right. We'll see you guys next time. <laughs>